0: Hello everyone, uh, once again I'm Kevin
1: and I'm Sarah
0: and welcome back to another exciting installment of Hot Town Summer at the um, Cine. I mean c- we
1: hope it'll be exciting, we, <laughs> we think it's exciting.
0: We're actually very excited for we're this. Quite
1: excited, yeah. more than we were for Batman <laughs> and I'm speaking for myself when I say that.
0: No and I'm totally the same actually. I'm, I'm, I've been very surprised pleasantly about how much I uh, have been enjoying some of the like surprise films of this little series. So again, we're looking at the movies uh, of the summer of 1989. And today, uh, we're going to look at uh, Ron Howard's Parenthood. Um, It's got a massive cast with way too many names to say all at (laughs) once here. but it's... We will
1: talk about each of them because they're each worth mentioning. Yes. Also, Ron Howard, is he America's sweetheart? Can we talk about how <laughs> men should be America's sweetheart? But we think of that as the saying about women. <laughs> he's like an American. He's an American darling.
0: He's, he's got darling dimples Amer- though. He was like a kid. Of Cinema. So he was a kid on the Andy and Griffith show, and then made it into Happy Days. It's like I think American that's
1: graffiti. That's where I saw him first.
0: Again, I think it's part of it. Is you feel like you grew up with him. That's and so,
1: nostalgia right there.
0: Now that he's in this like era of he's doing being it all a dad you're just like right along for the ride with him but
1: now he's like grandpa which makes him even more darling oh, probably
0: it's true he i mean getting into kind of just uh what this film sort of came about as um ron howard and these other two screenwriters who collectively had 15 children amongst them which just is too many children it's a lot of children uh ron howard definite family man Um, just really wanted to put together this film, uh, about kind of the ups and downs and a kind of comedic, but very honest look at parenthood. And they even, um, at least according to IMDb, which is never wrong, (laughs) um, they incorporate a lot of actual stories from their life or, uh, like the producer Brian Grazer's life. And they made this really, uh, I like it a lot, this film that just looks at this kind of patriarchal family unit, like this large, sprawling family, and just sort of examines each of the family units in it, and their kind of um, parental and marriage dynamics, and so... Sarah, why don't you take us through uh, our fun little way of doing a recap here. Okay,
1: so we're going to hit up on each familial unit. And there is a lot of authenticity here. And I think if you come from a family who is like any of these families, which I think it does a pretty good job of representation, but each in a different kind of way, um, starting with Gil. So this is the Steve Martin, Mary Steenburgen couple with their three... um, very unique children. Um, so this is a fun one. I think maybe Kevin related most to this family.
0: It, it doesn't it doesn't help that the child is named Kevin. The
1: problem child.
0: And is having significant behavioral issues in school. That's and a
1: little real for our Kevin.
0: It really is. And I think this is the thing, like, as a child, I'm like, oh, I'm Kevin. Oh, I get it. And now, when I watched it, like, two weeks ago, I was like, I'm Gil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Gil. This all happens. This so. is
1: the legacy of this film is that we watch it and take on different roles. Yeah. Ourselves. But they're
0: dealing with kind of, uh, a few different things. Oh, like yeah. They're dealing with um, Steve Martin's not loving his work. Yes. Mary Steenburgen is...
1: Feeling maybe trapped in her role as stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Um, working in the home. And they have a problem child, oldest, who has some uh, sort of anxiety disorder. Um, and... And also, just the chaos of like three have a kid kids. named
0: Justin who just <laughs> runs into walls with a bucket on his head. Now it's like Lewis, Lewis, like a three, is that you feels like a third child.
1: Yeah, very real third child.
0: Very real third child.
1: And then we have. Um, Don't talk about our second second family. Yeah, girl? yeah, Dion-based? totally,
0: absolutely. Um, man, this this uh, I love this one. This unit. So um, it's Diane Weiss and she has uh, two kids kind of in the teenage years. Um, single mom. Single mom. Yeah. Uh divorced husband who is like uh, divorced dad who's completely out of the picture. Like no, no wanting to be there. Um, so she's got uh, Gary.
1: Uh, Hi, Gary. Which
0: is maybe the best quote of the film is they're just trying to... For, trying to
1: connect with Gary. For who is so
0: much of this movie, trying to connect with incredibly
1: them. well by Joaquin Phoenix, who was going by Leaf Phoenix at the time when he was 12, 13. Yeah. And, and then Martha Plimpton, who is brilliant as the teenage daughter, whose boyfriend, Keanu Reeves, is very much in the picture and uh, very memorable in this role.
0: <laughs> it's honestly... like I was thinking about this today, too, where I'm like... I didn't see Martha Plimpton and more stuff, and it's like I think because she gets etched in your mind in this movie as such a like bratty, um, come up and see like little teenage yeah. girl that you're like, you almost can't shake it from, like, yeah, she's which one, perfect. She's unbelievably well cast in this, so um,
1: and then we have Rick Moranis and his wife who I just saw in another movie. What was that? When oh, Harry she's Man's- in When Harry Met's Alley. She is, and what's her name again?
0: Uh, I don't know, but she is, She's uh, Rick Moranis' wife is yes. the other sister in this family. So, yes.
1: so it's um, Steve Martin, Diane Weist, and Rick Moranis' wife. whose name <laughs> we should know. Who is excellent? Who is excellent? And they play kind of overbearing, intense parents to one child, um, but also they're quite um, unhappy in their marriage and trying to figure that out. And then the fourth child in the family is Larry, who is the kind of ne'er do well youngest and can't seem to catch a break but he's also always getting into kind of scams and uh, being conned or conning his family into giving him money
0: oh it's intense that way yeah
1: (laughs) and we have um, Jason Roberts who is also excellent as the patriarch and um, his wife who we don't really get much of her so I don't know if that's so that she you know, we have too many other major characters, major casts.
0: It it just it, Rick Maris's wife is played by Harley Jane Kozak, who's playing Susan, and uh, is also great. They're like the very much the yuppie, like Sarah said, the yuppie couple with the like we have all the best parenting ideas in the world, <laughs> and we're gonna make cards. we're gonna make this super child. Um, and so,
1: but they're killing themselves in the process.
0: They very much are and unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: lots of impressions which we've touched on a little bit already.
0: I thought it would be kind of neat to ask it this way. Um maybe give first off your overall impressions of the movie. And then I thought it might be fun to just to hit cuz this really is not a movie with like a a plot. Like it has obviously and it it's got an end but it
1: very character driven.
0: Very character driven. There's really not a lot of like, it's, you know, it's getting over these things. It's mostly just watching these characters evolve.
1: Which feels like a rare thing for comedy. Like, the first movie that came to mind like this is Bridesmaids, in that it's like so much about the dysfunction and <laughs> um, just the, like uniqueness of each of the characters. Yeah. Um, and just how real the family is and. There's just so much authenticity here. It it doesn't... Yeah, even just the opening scene is pretty brilliant. And um, yeah, I don't know if you want to talk more about that. But it, it really sets the stage for like, oh, this is not your typical comedy, especially 90s style. Like it felt like, or 80, whatever, 89. It felt very specific. It opens with
0: uh, like a kid at the baseball game and his dad, who is Jason Robards off camera, basically leaves him at this baseball game and pays an usher to watch him. And as you're kind of watching this thing and he goes, Well, you're not real. He's like, you're an amalgam. And he's like, what? Is like, you're an amalgamation of all the guys that my dad left me with on my birthday. And it's just this like weird scene that I was like, it's very meta, which is such a current thing. Like that feels like a very current way to do movies, right? Is like, let's let's get the joke in before the audience gets the joke in. And this film like almost hits you with that right away.
1: And there's a psychological complexity to that where the characters are trying to understand themselves. So we understand right away that it's funny and it's tongue in cheek and there's that complexity there. So it's, I would say, smarter and funnier and like way more psychologically and emotionally rich.
0: But even thinking about that scene where he's at the baseball game, it's him at the baseball game with his kids. And you kind of learn in that little moment, it's like... Steve Martin Gill is determined to not be his dad. <laughs> yes. Like that's the film. Not to abandon his
1: children. I will
0: not. I will be super dad. Yes. Like I will, be, I will present. be present to my kids, yes. and my kids are going to be great. And it's like this driving force. And I think it's kind trying of to
1: prove his dad wrong.
0: Kind of a neat way to do both comedy and drama, where it's like we can get you what you need to hear from the scene mm-hmm. without being like so melodramatic that you're mm-hmm. almost like, I can't engage with this. Or so silly that you're like, could you just be Tony serious for a bit. second? Yeah, yeah. It's
1: accomplishing a lot right away. Yeah. So that's encouraging. It sets it up well to be like, okay, I'm buying in right away.
0: Yeah. I, you brought it up and so I, I want to just snag this. I read this Roger Ebert review and he kind of said this, which I thought was kind of neat where he said, uh, it's a movie that contains laughter, but it's more concerned with character than punchlines. And it's the best kind of comedy where we recognize the truth of what's happening, even while we're smiling, and where we eventually acknowledge that there is a truth in comedy that serious drama can never quite reach. Hmm. And I, I think that's like a neat way to actually say comedy is tough, um, yeah. and com- comedy
1: that's true,
0: while yeah. also being funny. Yeah, I mean, Naked Gun is tough too, but let's <laughs> <laughs> slapstick is its own. I don't
1: com- think, oh Poor OJ. Oh, boy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Poor us. If we keep going in the next summer, I think (laughs) Naked Gun two and a half shows up. Um, uh, Sarah, any other kind of overarching impressions?
1: I mean, I think I'm not a parent, but it feels super authentic in terms of family and parenthood and just the, like, nitty-gritty down to it. Um, I loved that there's so much complexity within most of the relationships. So you don't just see the siblings talking to each other. You see the siblings, partners, talking to each other. You see the parents talking to the siblings, partners, you see like just all the levels. And there's a lot of interconnectivity here. There are also so many scenes of women talking to each other about so many different (laughs) regular things in their realistic lives, which feels very revolutionary. There's also some interesting aspects of and this is where the nostalgia fits in and I think like my first experience with Ron Howard being American Graffiti and I remember watching it with my parents who like loved it and it was so much their own experience and I think he was born the same year as my parents. So it feels in some ways like a 50s movie in the 90s. Hmm. And so I just wonder like how much of that like happy days American Graffiti sentiment and mood is really just so pervasive. And so there's this very family values, nuclear family um, vibe, but it's also in these very unique like it's, family situations. It, it does the job
0: of being pro-family, and yeah. like a very unapologetically like but kids.
1: pro-different kinds of family.
0: Completely, like pro-kids, but also kids are a shit show, um, kind of I would say is yeah. the way that it goes about And there's about no
1: it. gay families, which would be... If you were to make it today, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Or, like, there would definitely be more representation with gender and um, everything. Like, diversity. Everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is, I think, one of those moments where you just have to say it's a product of its time. Um, Completely.
1: So yeah, it's pretty like heteronormative, but there's some also quite like bold-ish choices sociopolitically for the 90s. So like abortion comes up as a viable option for one of the, we won't give it away, about one of the couples and um, Larry's son who he brings home as a surprise is African-American. Oh,
0: that scene.
1: It's pretty heartbreaking.
0: Wrecked (laughs) me when he brings him in and his kid is named Cool. Cool. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, Kevin's having his emotion. They call them in quotes, we'll quote saying emotional problems. So he has some anxiety, um, experiences. It's also got, um, my husband Dennis mentioned, it has very much like kind of a same mood as a John Hughes film. There's this like, it is suburban. It's white, it's wealthy or upper middle class. It's kind of as American as a baseball game, especially in this era. Um, and like, as American as a baseball game, we could say like how the movie opens with two separate scenes. So there's the father as a child and then the father reliving his own very American childhood. And then
0: goes and coaches baseball. Exactly.
1: That could be a whole thing just itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about, because there were so many, uh, I thought just like these standout moments of this movie that are like... Very poignant. And it obviously tells an overall story, but it also, you can almost like pull these scenes of the, a part of the film and be like, yeah. um, so for me, and, and this could just very much be where I am in my life right now, but there's a scene where um, uh, Steve Martin and Mary Steen version, so Gil and Karen have to go and meet with the school principal to talk about Kevin. Yes.
1: And we need to talk about we Kevin. We need to
0: talk about Kevin. Another
1: great book slash <laughs> film was okay. I Books will better.
0: never, ever handle that. Um, but there's this moment where they're having a real dynamic of like, we think Kevin may need to go to a different school next year. And um, two things that jumped out at me was one, when, you know, Steve Martin's very like, no, um, I don't care. I know it's maybe unfair, but kids give a stigma, which maybe that I think actually would not maybe exist as much today
1: kids would not be pulled out of school for having anxiety no we
0: we we keep we don't do that i think it's different now like we now know the idea of integration is is critical but um the the thing that jumped at me because it was funny but i was like oh that is so true is the fact that the two parents turn on each other and blame each other in the like he's like she smoked grass and heist in (laughs) college and she's like well you're always like it's (laughs) This scene, because again, I think as parents, when your kids, something's wrong with your kids, the best thing you can do is figure out like, how do we work together and how do we (laughs) stay united? But there is this human part of you that wants to avoid blame
1: and avoid responsibility
0: and have someone to be mad at, even if it means your spouse. And it's, I just was like, this is funny and so poignant. Uh, So I,
1: and that's what the funniest things are, is the most real things.
0: Totally. Usually. Yeah.
1: Or where you can see yourself in it or you've had the same experience or you know someone who has.
0: Yeah. Sarah, how about you? What was the standout scene for you? We'll just maybe go oh. back and forth.
1: Um, good question. I feel like so many of the things. I I feel like that's the gem. Of, that's the jewel is that it's so relatable. Like each of the characters on different levels. Um, I loved, I think the Martha Plimpton, Keanu Relationship is just so. I find that's the of Julie to and
0: Todd. Yeah.
1: Yes, just like all that intensity and.
0: They're so teenage. They're
1: so teenage, like just the way they move, the way they argue. Like I don't know how old they were, but it, it's pretty incredible how they encompass that teenager everything, like the angst and the. Um, yeah, it's very. They're very good together.
0: Yeah, they. Um... Yeah, they're just like so bombastic. Like yes. every scene is either the heights of love or the absolute like depths of yeah, fighting. Despair. And I think, uh, I mean, again, Diane Weist, who does get nominated for a best supporting actress in this film, which I think
1: she was robbed.
0: She was fully deserving of that nomination. Um, is so good as this mom who you can tell is like, "Well, I got a super moody teenage boy who I don't know what he's doing in his room." Um, and then I got this like volatile, uh, teenage daughter who is, it turns out married to her boyfriend, (laughs) which is insane. Um, and she's just kind of like trying to figure out how to to keep keep them together. together. And, and there's so many great scenes with her just being so raw and vulnerable and, and just angry, Mm -hmm. uh, at, at all, but also trying to be like, like when she, when Julie runs away, Martha mm-hmm. Blunton runs away, mm-hmm. and then like, and the mom kicks her out. Yes, but then Don't begs her back. to come back. In the midst of it, and chases her
1: immediately and says, "Please come back."
0: It's so great the it's way it does that good. back and forth. I I thought that was good.
1: Let's talk about Gary.
0: Oh, Gary.
1: Gary, hi, Gary. So Joaquin Phoenix was how old? 13? He had the like, he had it. He had that thing. He had the the star power. There's so much depth there, especially later in the film when he gets to actually...
0: Come out of his room.
1: Come out of his room. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, there's, yeah, just a ton of depth there for a young person.
0: Um, oh, I mean, this movie has some scenes that just break you. Like when he calls his dad, yes. his biological dad, and asks his dad if he can stay with him for a bit, and his Ugh. dad is like, "Don't call me at work." Yeah. It is like heart, and you that again. That's where you're watching this twelve year old kid, and yeah. you're like, "Oh man, you're really good," because I am like fully absorbed in your yes. just breaking as a as a human right now. Yes. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so many quotable quotes we can talk about. Um, one of my favorite Gil quotes, which I feel like every parent can relate to is my whole life is half to Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and there's some great quotes about fatherhood. Todd. <laughs> Keanu <laughs> does, um, Helen says, sounds like boy, a boy Gary's age needs a man around the house. Todd says, depends on the this man. Keanu Reeves
0: character. Yeah. The Keanu
1: Reeves character. Um, Depends on the man. You need a license to buy a dog or drive a car. Hell, you need a license to catch a fish. But they'll let anybody be a father.
0: Which kind of feels like the thesis of the movie movie in some ways. Is on the one hand, this is the hardest job ever. But you also...
1: Have no preparedness training.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, a big part of it. I... um, well, there's a couple pieces that jump at me, but I, I think again the scene where you meet um uh Larry, the youngest son's mm, yes. um child, <clears throat> cool yes. is just this like
1: very vulnerable. Oh,
0: he just is like hiding around the corner and it's like part of me is like, what was your plan to introduce this kid to the family? Like was Larry making... doesn't have a plan. He doesn't have a plan. Like and, and cool this deal. just this like sweet, innocent little boy who um, You know, it turns out he has like a cocktail waitress mom who can't. In Vegas. In Vegas, who just can't do it anymore. And so she gives cool to Larry, and then Larry brings him here. And it's like, on the one hand, this, this neat thing where you're like, oh, this kid's gonna get like a family. But on the other hand, you're like, oh, this kid's parents are complete. This
1: kid has no choice over his life. This or kid what's has happening.
0: nothing. Um, and
1: also, another great quote that I think summarizes is when. um, Keanu crashes his race car, <laughs> and Julie, who's now pregnant at this point, yeah,
0: that says, is the best. Yeah, needle says drop. to her
1: mother, "I can't do this. This is too intense." And her mother wisely says, "This is marriage."
0: Yeah, she makes her go watch, and she makes her go uh, run to him. It's actually this really cool scene because most of the movie, you're convinced Diane Weist hates Keanu Reeves. Uh, And then she kind of is like, well, you're married to him, so we're stuck with him. Deal
1: with it. Yeah. Even though you're 18 or however old.
0: (laughs) Can we, because I don't want to skip him because I thought they were so good, but can we touch on, um, I mean, this again is the summer of Rick Moranis. Uh, He's in three big movies from the summer. Uh, So he is playing Nathan and he's married to Susan, who's played by Harley Jane Kozak, the sister of the fam in the family. Um yeah, there's like some I mean, pretty exceptional scenes. First off, there's some exceptional 80s aerobics outfits that, yes. that Susan wears, yes. but just her her little scene where uh Rick Maris is way more fascinated with their daughter and yes. raising their daughter yes. than like they were gonna have this romantic getaway to Mexico and then he's like, We'll bring the daughter. Yeah. And she goes to the closet and sneaks chocolate and just eats it, and yeah. it is this like, it's this really neat scene of like you, and I, I thought what's interesting is it's gender inverted that way because mm-hmm. honestly you feel like often it's like oh the the, the mother cares more about the kids right. than the husband
1: yeah that's typically
0: but it's how kind it's of this portrayed. flip of it where this this woman is kind of like like do we have a marriage anymore or are we just two people raising a science project yes and I thought that was a pretty powerful scene yeah yeah.
1: Yeah, they're very good. And the fact that they're so good and they're not the main characters is... Yeah, that just shows the solid casting here. Yeah. Uh, Mary Steenbergen and and Steve Martin are an incredibly solid center to the film. Um, Pretty flawed. Like, especially Gil. He's pretty... um, neurotic <laughs> but also still lovable and still very connected and there's a brilliant I think my favorite scene might be the birthday party.
0: Yes. Um Kevin. which is what grabbed <laughs> me as a child. <laughs> of,
1: course. of course, Kevin the troubled <laughs> oldest child um the clown ends up not being able to attend the birthday party and so Steve Martin goes into clown mode and steals the show. It's pretty brilliant. So just the way that like Parents do hard things and they do them together and they do them for the sake of their children. And that feels very, like, um, it's very poignant and... Yeah, very
0: moving. Well, and then they have uh, kind of a 20-minute run, which ends in the most laugh-out-loud moment uh, when they're going back from the Chuck E. Cheese in the park. (laughs) But um, they have this moment where they're, like, looking for Kevin's retainer.
1: (laughs) In the garbage. In the garbage. At Chuck E. Cheese. At Chuck E. Cheese. If you can think of anything worse, let me know.
0: And, you know, they're realizing that Kevin's not getting any better because he's flipping out. And at one point, um, Mary Steenburgen just sort of says to Steve Martin, she's like, what did you think? You were going to coach a baseball game and be like dress up as a cowboy for his birthday party. And he was just going to get be better all of a sudden. And it's it's kind of this great picture of marriage where he wants to, you know, be angry with her. But he's like there's just enough trust in there for him to be like, "Uh, yeah, I kind of did and I also think that's completely relatable. I can
1: tell you my most embarrassing thoughts and actions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And because it's just, you're so utterly, I think, transparent to people that you're kind of, you know, they think if you've been married that long as they have. And um, yeah, I think it's just hard to fake it.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk to Jason Rob- Roberts?
0: Uh, I really scene? do. And I really wanted to leave this to the end because this was a scene that I still kind of struggle with but i i also like to me this was sort of like as close as the climax could be is jason robards is the kind of father over this whole family and is very like a emotionally distant dad that's kind of the picture of him the whole very time old school. old school um but he has this youngest kid who's much much younger than his siblings who he's definitely spoiled um, and there's this scene where you find out larry has Money problems and debts and things like that, and Jason and
1: is being chased,
0: he's thrown out of a car while it's moving. Yes, um, and at one point, uh, so Jason Robards goes to uh, Steve Martin Gill, his son, for advice, and it's this like really at a baseball game. Uh, again, it's this kind of neat full circle moment. But what really grabs me, and I just kind of want to hear your thoughts on it, because there's this scene where he's trying to help his son Larry figure out like how we're going to pay off these big debts you have and basically how we're going to get you right. Like you've got these. uh, Fix your life. You've got these destructive habits. You've got these issues. We're going to figure out how to like fix that. And then Larry basically uh, tries to schmooze him and kind of comes up with a like, I got to go down to South America to like work some ideas. And and it was this weird scene where you just watch Jason Robards kind of give up in the middle of it and i just thought like like i was mad watching it and then i was confused but i mean i think but it that's what good movies open do to
1: interpretation which i like like you don't know if he is going to give up or if he's going to keep paying larry's debt to keep the gangsters off his back
0: or what but then it ends with cool being like yeah. where's my dad which yes. is again like that's And then Jason Robard saying, you're going to stay with us for a while. Like, we're going to basically raise you. So this dad, who is very much done, he's a grandpa, has to basically, and and grandma have to like reboot it all over again. And
1: And that's in the final scene too. They're all together. Yeah. And seemingly one big happy-ish family. Yeah. With cool included as. Yeah. Kind
0: of a new, a new child, and and I think there is a lot. I think in the end somewhere when they're at the baseball game, Jason Robards and Steve Martin, it's this picture of like it never ends, and <laughs> that's just and it's yeah. like this frustration. Which is
1: real. That is, it is. very it is. real.
0: Um,
1: Random thoughts.
0: No, I mean, I, I just, I. As an eight-year-old, as I said, watch this because it looked funny. Um, <laughs> and it, it is, but I don't think it's funny to an eight-year-old. Like, other than Steve Martin as a funny, goofy cowboy, this movie is very... Like, I don't know that I got 80% of this film, frankly.
1: Like, I think I thought the teenagers were funny when I saw it when I was young. Yeah. And I think I just liked the family dynamic. And that was funny to me. Like it was funny and real to me. And that felt like a good, I don't know. That's what made me feel like a good movie when I was, however old I was, 10, 12 when I saw it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Keanu Reeves would be fun. And I'm trying to think if it's it's the same year as Bill and Ted's, but I'm trying to honestly remember which one came first. I think Bill and Ted's like barely, Um, but you know, Keanu Reeves is super funny even as a a kid because he's just... You know, his dopey beautiful self. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think this was the super fun rewatch for me, which is kind of what I wanted so far out of this series was kind of the idea of like what can I come back and look at and appreciate in a new light and what can I look at with a more honest lens. Um
1: I'm excited for Lethal Weapon. I feel like Lethal Weapon 2 is going to have some gems that I've forgotten about. Oh, it's... I would I'm say this. Excited. It's
0: the most time capsule movie so <laughs> far of all the ones I've seen. Mullets.
1: That'll be... It'll be in tie in a tie for the best
0: mullets. I thought it'd be neat just to end chatting a little bit about, like, the legacy of this film, right? Like, because part of this whole thing is trying to understand, can we look at this summer and kind of see what trends continue? What things do we see kind of play itself out? So... I'll just kind of open quickly with kind of going through the box office of this movie. So it um, it opens to like ten million, which is a decent opening at the time, and it grosses over a hundred million, which even today I feel like a comedy drama like this making a hundred million would feel good. That's about two hundred twenty nine in twenty twenty two dollars. You know, it it's very much like the box the summer movie that kind of makes a bit of a um, an Oscar play. Um, but I don't know, like Sarah, what about you? If you think of legacy or how you see this movie kind of like reverberate or, um, kind of be the harbinger of things.
1: I feel like if we look at the careers of the cast, right? Like you see a lot of solid, solid work from all of these folks. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that is pretty, um, I don't know it points to like the quality of it and the quality of it that sustains i think that they can all like probably look at this and say like yeah we did this thing together and especially for like quacky phoenix um it's pretty yeah pretty telling that like they were all involved and they all have done so much um going forward um, yeah, I feel like it's just this really like little, um, nugget of goodness in the midst of like a lot of other kind of craziness of the time, like it doesn't really fit with any of the other movies.
0: Not, I mean, not really. Um, it's neat that a movie like this actually gets rewarded, right? Yeah. Cause again, like you put movies out to make money and you yeah. put movies out to kind of, um, create sort of like an identity as a studio and all these things. And this one gets rewarded. I mean, you know, Steve Martin, who um, uh, I was reading one guy's quick little review on Letterboxd. And he was like, at first I looked that Steve Martin was a father of three and supposed to be 35. And I thought, (laughs) holy crap, is that what I look like? And then I realized, no, he's actually 45 playing a 35-year-old. But he, it is weird. But he kind of. After this goes on to be like a Father of the Bride, the Cheaper by the Dozen, yes. and all these like schlocky nineties dad, nineties dad. Even though and he Rick
1: Moranis too, actually
0: doesn't have kids. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm just gonna keep calling it till it catches on. But it is the summer of Moranis. This is yes. one of his of his three big movies from the summer. Um, but you know, I, I think there is also something to be said. I mean, this feels like a sitcom in a movie. Really. And but a
1: good sitcom. A
0: good sitcom, which again, they made it a TV show. But, you know, it feels today like there's the reverse, right? Mm-hmm. Of like whatever movie idea you have, can we make it a 10 episode prestige drama? <laughs> yes. This was almost like, let's take this big idea and like shrink it into a film. Yeah. And again, they try to make a show of it. It doesn't work. Then later on, kind of in the late, you know, um, 2010s, uh they do another run and it like is a bit more successful. But mm-hmm. um I think that's even a bit of a legacy too of like let's have this sprawling film that has no main plot driving it, but um let's also not make it the most serious melodrama yeah. that you know spans a multi-gen like multi-decades. It's really Told just, in a summer, essentially. Yeah.
1: And it feels like that. It feels like just a snapshot or like a slice of the real life and the real situation of these folks. Yeah. And you want to like keep hanging out with them. Like you want to know what happens next and what um, they're doing in like another decade or how things have turned out. Yeah. Because there's a lot, there's a, there's a fair amount that happens, but it's more about the people in the relationships.
0: But can I all say I'm actually so glad there is no sequel to this yes, film? Absolutely. Like I'm actually so perfect, glad.
1: just the way it is. Yep. Not everything needs to be a sequel, folks, <laughs> as we have learned from Batman <laughs> and Ghostbusters and almost everything else.
0: Ah, uh, except I,
1: oh, except maybe Indiana except Jones. maybe Indiana Jones maybe. and
0: Lethal Weapon TBD TBD. Um, well, hey, that's it for uh, Parenthood. Parenthood. So watch it. Watch it. Highly love recommend. it. Recommend. Yeah. Hard to find on streaming, but honestly, it's worth the five bucks to rent.
1: It's nothing five bucks.
0: Five bucks. Um, we'll be back uh talking about some other good movies. So see ya. Bye.